what I have learned that if you can push yourself and get out there, put yourself out there, I've learned that people are very accepting and that the more you do that, uh, the, the easier it gets. You, my friend, were made for more. More than the managing of schedules, keeping up with kiddos, and holding down the home front. Welcome to the Mill Spouse Mastermind Show, the podcast that empowers you to get unstuck and craft a life with more meaning and less overwhelm. I'm your host, Christine, seasoned military spouse, mom of three, and your guide to designing a life you love and growing a purpose-fueled business as a military spouse. I believe you have something valuable to offer. And when you pursue the things that light your heart on fire, you trade frustration for fulfillment and isolation for a life of impact. It's time to discuss who you are meant to be because together we can change the world. Welcome to the Mill Spouse Mastermind Show, friends. I am so excited to be back with you today. There are so many resources out there to help you navigate life as a military spouse, to deal with deployments, to learn how to PCS, to set up a budget, to understand military acronyms and even how to build your resume. But while there are more work-from-home opportunities than there has ever been before, and there are more employers willing to hire military spouses, depending on where you live, of course, what really has not changed over time is the percentage of military spouses that are either unemployed or underemployed. So Bia Jorgensen is on a mission to change that statistic. She is a former active duty military spouse, a guard spouse, and now a reserve spouse. And she has become an advocate for the military spouse community, specifically focused on how military spouses can have a fulfilling career. So today we are going to build on what we talked about in last week's episode where we talked about feeling stuck in your career. In this episode, we're going to talk about what military spouses bring to the table, the ways that military spouses have used their expertise, their creative problem-solving skills to turn opportunities into income, And we're going to unpack the number one skill you need to build a fulfilling career as a military spouse. Plus, we're going to talk about some practical ways that we can put this skill into action. Now, before we get into this conversation, I want to remind you that we are better together. And if you have found value in the show, please take a moment to share this episode or this podcast with someone else in your life because word of mouth matters. And if I am talking to a friend and they tell me to go check something out, then I am much more likely to do that. So you can help support this show in a number of ways, primarily just by sharing it with someone in your life, be it a friend, be it a neighbor, be it someone you meet at the commissary, 
Um, that goes a long way to helping us grow this podcast to help more spouses to thrive in this lifestyle. And finally, you can help support this show by leaving a podcast review on Apple iTunes. When you go leave a five-star rating and review, that helps the algorithm share this podcast, this episode with someone else who needs to hear it. So thank you for helping us get the word out about this show and this community so that we can help more military spouses get unstuck and craft a life with purpose. All right, let's talk about building a fulfilling career as a military spouse. Today's guest is a military spouse, seasoned healthcare professional, and mom of two. Zulbia Jorgensen holds not one, but two master's degrees and professional certifications. She is deeply invested in fostering the growth and development of women and is dedicated to helping others thrive. Zulbia, welcome to the show. I am so curious to hear more about your journey and how you transformed into the powerhouse woman you are today. Would you just start by telling us a little bit about your story and how you became a military spouse? What a great introduction. Thank you so much for that introduction, as well as having me on your show. Really appreciate it. So my story starts with just imagine these two immature, very young, from very different backgrounds, individuals who fall in love and then get married at a very, very young age, which we probably wouldn't recommend that to, for, to our own children, but we did it. And that was in 1991 is when Alan and I got married and we met in Germany in 1989. So then I ventured into my active duty army military spouse life. And that was very exciting early on because we were young. We were very open to exploring places when we moved with the military. And one of the things I missed was being far away from family. So I loved it when we had the opportunity to go back to Germany a couple of times and really spend time with my family while my husband worked on his career. And I really just enjoyed being a mom to a two-year-old at the time and a baby. Then my husband decided, hey, you know what? I want to utilize my GI Bill and go to college. So then we entered our National Guard military spouse life, which is that second phase. And that was about eight years after he'd been in in the military. And that took us to South Dakota, where my husband is from. And it was definitely, at first, a culture shock for me. But what I realized early on is when you're in a new place, you sort of have to embrace it, right? Otherwise, things will you know, get a little tricky and and life is not as enjoyable. So what I decided to do as my husband was going to college full-time, working part-time, trying to provide for us, I was working full-time and then decided to take a few college courses here and there. And I enjoyed it very much and decided to enroll and get a degree, which was probably one of the best decisions at the time. And then Of course, we experienced our first deployment in the National Guard, and that was very tough because it was early on, 2003, so there wasn't a lot of great communications channels established, but we did it, and we had two children at the time, two-year-old daughter, Maya, and then an eight-year-old son, Nicholas, so that was an experience. And then 
I graduated from college and, and then was recruited by a wonderful company, Mayo Clinic in Minnesota, and really enjoyed that part of my career where I started, the life that we had as a family in a small town near Rochester, Minnesota, and raised our family while Alan was in the Minnesota National Guard, also worked for the Minnesota National Guard in his civilian jobs, supporting military families and military service members. And then now the the final phase in our life in the military is my husband decided to transition from the National Guard to the Army Reserves. So that's where we are now. We have since relocated to Arizona, closer to where he, I call it drills, but there are other names for it. Once a month, he goes to Tacoma, Washington. That's where his uh, unit is stationed at. And, and we love life here. I'm still with Mayo Clinic. I've learned, just like everybody else in your audience out there, great lessons being a military spouse. All of those various challenges we go through, it just makes us such a stronger person. And I love it that we're sharing our stories that we, and then hopefully helping each other. So that's my life story. I mean, you have the experience of all these different parts of military life, the active duty spouse, the reserve spouse, the guard spouse. Talk about how, in what ways they were different and in what ways they were similar. Yeah, so that's a wonderful question. The difference is, so I love being part of the active duty military life because you have a community right? The community is so critical. And it's not all enjoyable about the community because there are nuances that you navigate through. But in general, overall, there's a community that you can connect with, you have similarities with. So that I love. However, I think when you're active duty, you're sort of and we might get into the conversation a little bit, you really, your priority is your husband or your spouse and and their career. So if you are not focused on your personal growth and your professional growth, there can be some challenges with having a sense of purpose, having an identity. So that, that, that can be very challenging. And I didn't experience it as much as maybe some of wonderful military spouses who support their spouses for many, many years in the active duty life. The National Guard part of life is sort of interesting in itself because you are in a, at a home base, which is great for families, right? My kids, they loved it. They were always a part of the same community, same school. Where we were was a very small community, meaning a rural community in South Dakota, and the challenges there are a little different. So you you do have a community, small community. However, they are unlikely to relate to the things that you're going through, right? So, and all the other spouses are maybe hundreds and maybe even 500 miles away from you. So you're not as connected with those spouses that you have so so many similarities with and connect with. So that's that's what I would call the difference. But one of the things that you do have because you have a home base. You can go to college, you can get an education, you can learn a trade, you can build your career, not only your professional network, but also your personal network in, a, in very, various creative ways. Because even in a small town, as hard as it was, 
you can't connect with people who share some similarities with you. And I love being a part of an organization that was very, that had a lot of different employees who were very willing to accept me as a foreigner. Uh, and they didn't think I spoke in a funny way. So they were very open to listening and learning. And so was I. And then, of course, the university environment, right? Once you're enrolled in a university, automatically diversity increases. You have lots of opportunities to connect with wonderful people. I would say those are the differences, and you navigate them in in different ways, right? They're all challenges, opportunities, but you, you have to address them in a way and approach them in creative ways. And military spouses are very creative solving problems. So were you going to school while your husband was deployed? Yes. So this is one of one of the challenges. We don't talk about this very much. So I guess I would say the, the biggest challenge for me was being far away from my family. And 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 I just wanted to highlight what it's like to grow up in a Turkish family. So we are extremely open to eating together, open to extended family. We will laugh. We have you know, parties together. So it's, and everybody knows everybody's business, which I don't think it's always a positive thing, but there's a lot of hugging and kissing. So that's sort of the culture that I was accustomed to. And then Minnesota and South Dakota are totally different culture. So that's what I missed. So I didn't have that support. I didn't have the connection uh, uh, and the love, right? The physical connection and everything. So what happened then is, so I had to build a network of support. And that was, as I was mentioning, uh, friends I made connections with at work or at the university who were super helpful uh, lots of people really were very engaged in helping and understanding. People love the military and support the military, any community. I've not really met any community in the United States that does not support military families. So that was a benefit to me, and I really took advantage of that. However, during the deployment, as I was going through my education and really trying to go through this education as quickly as possible. Unfortunately, I had to delay it for a year and a half. And now we don't talk about these very much, but that was a delay in employment, delay in financial gains. And I, I realized through the research that I have done, many families actually put up with that without really talking about it as much. But that is an economic impact on the families and that we need to recognize and talk about more. So, yes, I did, but I delayed it. Although I have to say I had great support at the university. So they actually provided me an employment opportunity while I was working on my uh, degree to teach at college. So I had a little bit of income to support my family in addition to, uh, of course, my husband supporting us. So. Yes, it, it's doable, but very challenging. It is. And, and there's so many things that will make pursuing our own professional and personal development challenging, but it is possible, especially when we keep that end goal in mind. And, and we think, because we look around and we see other people, well, it seems easier for them 
But it's so much about keeping that end goal in mind rather than trying to finish it within the time frame we think that it should be completed. When we can kind of shift our perspective, it makes a huge difference. And I would really love for you to unpack what elements of your journey have led you to this place where now you're really interested in research that can help more military spouses thrive professionally? Oh, wonderful question. And thank you so much for asking. So I would probably say there are two major reasons what I wanted, why I wanted to dig deeper into that military spouses, unemployment, and uh, how can we help military spouses in their career development? The first one is really the personal interest. I I was very curious about it because I've always felt that I was lucky in, in that, that I had it easier to do it because of we were in the National Guard and Army Reserves, which I had a home base to be able to do that. The second one is really, well, I should probably also say my kids are older, so <laughs> I had extra time on my hand and I'm like, I need something to challenge me. And that is one of the threads that I would say, the challenge, you have to continuously feel like you're challenged, otherwise you're not really growing, right? So I needed that extra thing in my life. And then the second piece is really, I was thinking from the perspective of the military spouses where they feel like they're, they lost their identity and they don't have a sense of purpose. And that can be a very challenging life as you're supporting your military service member. And so I didn't want them to feel that any longer. And I wanted to dig deeper and understand it and help try to help them to, to, to be in a better place. And what I learned in the process after I spoke to more than 50 military spouses from all various branches and various ages, that these military spouses are great problem solvers. They are adaptable. They they take on a challenge without complaining. They are masters of change management because there are so many changes and things thrown at them and they figure out how to how to navigate through them. But yet they have difficulties in building a career because of the frequent move, because of the relocation that they have to endure. So I wanted to be able to dig deeper into, into that, hear it from individuals who have actually gone through it, and then also learn from them of those that have done it and are successful. What are some of the things that they're doing that we can then share with others and they can utilize? Now, you know, some problems we're not going to be able to solve. And those are the ones, even the programs that are in place, some work, some don't work. And, and I will touch up on that a little bit too in, in my research, but the resolution for those will take much longer. It will require us to work with policymakers and things like that. But I wanted to empower individuals and focus on the things that we have control over. And, and that's what I wanted to really dig up. And, and, and I think I've done a, a good job finding some of those similarities and approaches that, that do work. So what were some of the key findings from your research? Yeah. So, so what I've learned along the way is, yes, there are unique challenges. 
that military spouses face. And I will get into that a little bit. But there are also challenges that military spouses face that's very similar to those challenges that I face or any other person faces in a professional environment as a spouse. So the, the, very, the differences are frequent moving, frequently moving, you're losing your job, you are maybe holding off on that education and or maybe have to wait for four years and you're moving into an international country or a different country internationally where the um, uh, employment restrictions are huge. So you're you're not able to really, you know, anything, it's not in the, under your control at the time, right? So there's not much you can do. Some of the similarities are that we all face is you need to build your professional network, right? So how do you advocate for yourself? How do you show once you're in a position that you bring value to the organization? How do you ensure that you have a sponsor? And what I mean by sponsor is not your military spouse, but your individuals in the organization or at your work who actually will speak on your behalf, who will who will recommend you for promotion, who will maybe give you that opportunity to shine. Uh, those are some of the similarities that I've noticed. And one of the things that I discovered along the way, and this is a very unique challenge, is that we have an incorrect persona of military spouses. So when we talk about military spouses, the things that come to our mind are women who are in their early 30s, 20s, with two to four children, they're stay-at-home mom, and they're providing for their children and making sure that their spouses are going through the military service. That is not the case. We know, you know, and your audience knows, there are so many different personalities and personas of military spouses. And that is the one thing I wanted to also highlight with the research. You have individuals who are male spouses who are foreigners and they had a career, but they found this U.S. soldier, fell in love with them, and and they gave up everything. You have individuals who, just like me, started out very early on in that engagement and really didn't have anything to do, but so it was very exciting for me to to go on that venture. But you have individuals who are professionals who were established for ten years, and meet someone in the military, and they fall in love and they give up everything for that military spouse. You also have individuals who are stay-at-home parents, and it makes it easier for for the family based on the needs of the family. So it's variety of individuals. They come in all different ages all different genders, right? Not just uh, women. And I just wanted to be able to highlight that. And I discovered that. And that's why I like the, the expansive reach of that research that I was able to do. So those are some, those are some of the differences and similarities that uh, also require different approaches, of course. So when we look at the problem, we can see all of these factors that contribute to the problem. But when we start to look at how do we address the problem, what solutions are there, what have you seen? Yeah, great question. And of course, there are uh, many creative ways that we can we can handle some of these unique challenges. That, And I think that's what we want to focus on, right? The unique challenges. And 
they they don't work for everyone. So I don't want to assume, hey, one size fits all. That's definitely not the case. And you do, as a military spouse, give yourself the permission to say, my situation is different and I'm going to explore different approaches and see if it works for me. Here are some examples that uh, spouses have shared with me. So in, in, uh, one of the spouses you know, was an established professional who then married military personnel and they moved into a, actually a foreign country. She was able to identify gaps in the community, in that military community, and say, I have these skills and here's this gap. Let me fill that. And that was the individual who decided, well, I'm very good at training dogs and there is a need for military families to have dog trainers. So I'm going to fill that gap. Another person, they were stationed in Korea who um, who was English speaking, of course, and she realized, hey, there's a gap between the hairdresser and the customers and they can't really understand each other. I'm, I'm very good at explaining and I can use the uh, English and my sign languages to, to be able to translate and be that liaison. So those are those unique things you can figure out how to do. But then that certainly depends on the environment that you're in. I had a, a male spouse who had a son who was not doing well with the mom being away on deployments for extended period of time. And the, the military spouse dad, he decided he was going to create an activity that felt very challenging for his son. And he actually created a non-for-profit organization that enables children like his child and other military children to code and partner with large organizations. So there are lots of creative ways you can sort of figure things out. But there is one common thread in all of this, and and that's so critical, and I cannot stress it enough. It's the networking piece. And, oh, am I so excited that we have the technology today? So you don't necessarily have to be face-to-face to network. You can reach out to individuals, professionals, if you have an interest in certain industry, in certain profession, and you want to learn more about it, uh, or you want to teach a class. Those are all important networking that you're doing that will eventually help you. And for example, when I faced a layoff in 2008, which was, and again, I was working for Mayo Clinic, very stable company, but it was during the recession. So it was networking that actually got me the next job. So I I do stress that, but I do mean it. It does work. And, and once you are in a position and you figured out this is it and you're doing a great job, don't stop where you are. Think ahead. What is that next thing you're going to do? And learn those skills, whether that's taking classes, whether that's attending seminars or webinars. And today we have so many tools. We don't have to be on site. Certainly can be a part of that. You can certainly go meet people face to face and build those relationships. Always Think about the value that you're bringing and articulate it. Write it down and share it with people. Share your story. Because what might happen is with that next PCS move, your employer will see that value that you're bringing and they might actually entertain to keep you on while you're moving into that other location. And I have seen that in the research that I've done, that the spouses that have done that, they were very successful in that. 
It's interesting when you break these really large problems apart, you can see all of these different elements that contribute to the challenge for military spouses to find and maintain meaningful employment. But it's interesting to also see the common threads and the possibility that is inherent in how we address these problems. I'm curious, when you talk about networking, what was it that really made this the common thread that you kept pulling at? And how did you go about saying networking is a key that if we bring this to military spouses, it can really make a difference? What a great question. I shared with you a little bit where I'm coming from in terms of the family life, and I miss that interaction with people. So at my at personal level, as well as professional level, I love connecting with people. Now, you would, I am an introvert. So it's very difficult for me to make that step and to, com, to be committed to reach out and to make that connection. What I have learned that if you can push yourself and get out there, put yourself out there, I've learned that people are very accepting. And that the more you do that, uh, the, the easier it gets. Um, now, you will, because I'm an introvert, I set myself limits. So I might tell myself, I'm going to make two new connections maybe in the next two weeks. And maybe I'll have one networking meeting a week versus, you know, I know people that do way more <laughs> networking meetings. So Understand, be self-aware what you can handle, what your family life conditions permits, because we all have different lives. And don't, don't really measure yourself to others, because everybody is unique. As long as you're comparing yourself to yourself and making progress, that's what's important. So, and I have to say, when... For me, I think what it was is when I made those connections, whether it was for personal, it it was so rewarding because I got to meet people. I mean, even in South Dakota, when I made connections at, at the university, I am still friends with those individuals. It was such a deep connection, not with all everybody that you meet with, but in certain cases, such a deep connection. You, you It's for life. For the, for the professional world, you sort of have to think about, okay, where am I going to be next? So like, for example, I want to grow into the next role, right? I want to be promoted. So I might be working with leaders, executive leaders who have leverage and who are deciding which uh, specific assignments are going to be or which initiatives are going to be important. And I might ask to be part of that initiative. I might actually say, and I have done this, I want to, I want to be a stretch. I want to be challenged. I want that next assignment that gives me, uh, that allows me to gain these specific skills that I have a gap in. And it's okay to have those conversations as long as you've built that relationship with that individual and that trust, right? Because it's very difficult and awkward to have that conversation if it's the first time you're speaking to someone. So I have done it, tried it. I have failed at certain instances. and But then again, reminded myself, it's uh, you, you do make a lot of different connections. 
And the best thing is you learn so much in the process from those individuals. Uh, and, and then, of course, it goes the other way around, too, because they feel like they're learning from you, which is really rewarding in, in, in either direction. It's a win-win situation. So when we moved to Scottsdale, and this was uh, something we chose to do, right? The military did not say you must go there. We chose to do that. Wow. As a military spouse, it's easy, right? Because what you do is, okay, I'm interested in running. I'm going to connect with a running group. And I'm interested in helping, um, and in my case, it was women who were at, at a disadvantage. And I wanted to connect with organization where I could volunteer. And I'm volunteering now for Arrowhead, which is an organization that actually helps formerly incarcerated women. Those are things that are important to me. I wanted to volunteer. And I got to meet amazing individuals, professionals who are with the same, you know, goals and with the same passion. And so it's very, very rewarding. But again, do it what your time allows you. And if you don't want to obviously put your family goals in danger and then just continuously network, allow yourself to to be able to do it, but make sure that your your priorities are you know, your, your family and your, your husband or your spouses. So I don't know if that makes sense, but it's really very rewarding making those connections from my perspective. Yeah, I think you just gave so many practical pieces of advice in there. Number one, when it comes to networking, we've got to put ourselves out there. But the second piece of that is knowing what each of us can handle. So some of us are going to be extroverts and we want to meet all the people and some of us are going to be introverts and we need to be aware of how much energy and time we have and set limits for ourselves. So putting yourself out there, knowing what you personally can handle, not comparing ourselves to others because collaboration is so much more beneficial than comparing ourselves. Number four is knowing where we want to grow. And so to have that idea of where am I trying to get to? And then who can I connect with? And what skills can I learn to help me get where I want to go? Number five is focusing on how much you can learn through the process rather than being afraid to fail. So we're going to do really well sometimes, we're going to fail sometimes, and it's really about learning in the process and and trying new things. And then that last piece that you mentioned is really just knowing what your priorities for yourself, for your family are, so that you are not stretching yourself too thin, so that you are not burning yourself out so that you have that healthy life balance that we are all aiming for. So those are some very practical tools that I really appreciate from your perspective. And I'd love for you to talk about, you've done all this research, you've figured out a lot about stories from military spouses and ways that they have been really creative about being able to grow professionally. What are you hoping comes out of this research? Yes, great question. And thank you so much for asking that. My dream is I want that unemployment rate to decrease and that under-employment rate to decrease as well. But 
And, and again, what I want to get out of this is uh, providing military spouses step-by-step process in how they can help themselves to, to create an opportunity for themselves. Or if they are in an employment, how can they help themselves to illustrate the value that they're bringing? And as an example, my husband, Alan, took on a, so he's in the National Guard, and then he decided he wanted to take this assignment in 2017 to go to Germany in the military active duty. So I decided to stay back. And the reason I decided to stay back is because my career was important. And plus, we had a new house that we had just built. I just did not want to leave, although my family lives in Germany. So I was really torn at this point. But I decided to stay. However, what I did, my relationship is so important with my husband. I decided to work with my employer and decided to create a proposal that would allow me to be in Germany once a quarter. So essentially, I researched it. I made sure I I actually wrote up the proposal and then discussed it with my supervisor. We engaged legal, making sure that we are actually in compliance. As you know, there are lots of different uh, rules and regulations. We did not want to jeopardize Mayo Clinic. I did not want to jeopardize, you know, my family. So we were able to do that. But if you really think about it, that required me to be that employee that they thought I brought value. But then also, I almost spoon-fed the information to him. So he did not have to worry about doing this himself, right? So I want to be able to provide those types of examples that you can then utilize and then be able to do that for yourself. And that that's really empowering you to be in charge of your journey, despite all of the various challenges that are surrounding you. And there are challenges, and I, those we need to recognize them. Uh, of course, the other piece that I wanted to create is the accurate persona of the military spouse. When I speak in the community to my colleagues who are so far removed from the military they have no idea. So I want to be able to illustrate that here, here's a persona of a military spouse and here are the great things that they're doing. Here are the challenges that they're facing because what that's going to do is actually help employers to see what they're missing. And if they were to give these spouses a chance, that they could actually be valuable employees because we are very good at doing all sorts of things creative problem solving. We are uh, great at adaptability. We are great at change management, communication, all those resiliency and the emotional and the cultural intelligence that we bring. All so great skills that a lot of different employers look for. I am here today because I wanted to be that voice for them and and I want to be the advocate for them, tell their story continuously. And of course, identifying some of those gaps that we have in whether that's policies or or agencies that can certainly help with that. Those I will also highlight the things that are working, the things that are not working with the understanding that will take a lot more time and commitment to get those done, get those done. But those are, again, things that can be done, not in our direct control. We have to be aware of them and push for them, maybe collaborate on them, and then really empower the spouses 
with those things that they have control over and they can actually make a difference. Did you find in any of your research, in your conversations with spouses, people that were unable to work for an extended period of time and then trying to step back into a working environment where you are surrounded by people that have not had a break in employment. And yes, it's one thing to say, yes, we as military spouses have these skills of problem solving and resiliency and adaptability, but sometimes it can be intimidating to step into a working world, especially if it's a company that doesn't understand military life. What did you learn as you were talking with military spouses about stepping back into the working world? Yeah, so there are definitely things that we can do as military spouses to help the employers understand who we are and what challenges we face at the same time continuously show the value that you're bringing. I spoke to individuals who have not even though they've been in the military for 20 years, they have not had a gap in employment because of some of the things that they have done. And certainly, you know, someone might say, hey, that that's they're lucky and able to do that. And, and, and certainly there might be luck that not everybody will have. But there are opportunities for those individuals that where they did have break in employment, where they look around in their environment and may even settle down for a job in the interim that they, they're they way overqualified for, but they're doing it. And then they're utilizing their connections and their networking approaches to, to continue to look for opportunities. So I think it's really maybe working a lot harder to create those opportunities for yourself with those connections then maybe someone like myself, like right now, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at in the organization for 19 years, right? So even though I probably want to maybe at some point continuously grow, it's a lot easier for me to do that for them for someone who's getting up and moving every two years. And definitely, definitely challenging, but that's when you use your connections. That's when you use your LinkedIn profile and really update those. And I have learned from spouses who were established, and especially in particular, the foreign foreign spouses who have had a career and they've worked for a decade and then they meet this military um, service member and they fall in love, get married, and then they move to the United States. And none of the work that they've done is really understood in a way it's not translatable, right? So then they decide, they okay, they rediscover themselves and say, okay, what, what else can I do? What else do I enjoy? So in a way, it's a little exciting, but then at the same time, you could make the argument that that's not fair, that I have to start all over again. And, and I think those that do succeed look at it in a way, hey, this is an opportunity where I can make a difference and maybe build on a new career. So th- th- there are those examples as well. Does that help? Well, I think it's really great to have advocates like you who have the stability in your career 
and who are willing to go to bat for military spouses, for those of us who are picking up our lives and moving every two to three years. And it's really hard sometimes to be able to try to grow your career and advocate for yourself and for all military spouses while you're navigating the constant change of military life. So for people like you who are established, but who are using your time and energy to try to make things better for military spouses as a whole, that says a lot. And so I just want to take a moment and thank you for the work that you were doing. And then I would just invite you to share if our listeners want to hear more about your research, if they want to get involved, if they want to connect with you, where should they go? Great question. And thank you. Yes. So you feel free to share my email. And certainly that's one way to get a hold of me, but I'm a very active member on LinkedIn. And you can certainly find me there. I have a huge network of military spouses already that I connected with. So which required me to go out of my comfort zone and really connect to to those wonderful individuals that I've, I really don't have any connection to since I'm not in the community of military spouses. But yes, LinkedIn and email would be wonderful. All right, friends, I hope you go check out her links and connect with Zulbia. As she mentioned, sometimes you can't have the job or the career that you initially wanted. I for sure don't have the career that I thought I was going to have at age 22. But the question for all of us is not why is this so hard, but what else can I do? There are so many possibilities, so many opportunities out there if we will just begin to look for them. And yes, the foundation, the common thread of those who have created meaningful work for themselves as military spouses is networking. But before you go out there and network, you will set yourself up for greater success if you first take the time to figure out what you bring to the table, what you enjoy doing, and what matters most to you. Taking that time, giving yourself that space to rediscover, to reconnect with yourself and get clarity around who you are, what you want to do, when you take the time to do that, it's going to help you show up to make connections, to confidently promote yourself and open yourself up to new opportunities that lead you to a fulfilling career. And more than that, to a fulfilling life as a military spouse. So if you need help getting that clarity, you're like, I can't figure this out on my own, go schedule a free clarity call with me. You will find the link in the show notes, but take action today and set yourself up for long-term success and a fulfilling life. If you are interested in learning more about Zulbia's research, connecting with her, that information will be linked in the show notes as well. Have an amazing week, friends. I will see you back here next week. Until then, may you live filled, fueled, and full of joy. 
Hey friend, before you go, the Mill Spouse Mastermind Community is here to help you thrive as a military spouse. Figure out what lights your heart on fire and equip you to create a life of impact. You can have an incredible impact simply by heading over to iTunes to subscribe and leave a review. And if today's episode was meaningful to you, I know it will be for others too. Spread the word by taking a screenshot of this episode and share it to your stories so we can continue to reach more people, change more lives, and shift the way that military spouses look at life. Because we are better together, and together we can change the world. Let's do it.